0: Good evening everybody, welcome back again on a Wednesday night to our study in the book of Revelation. We're going to have a great time, we're glad you're all here, even those um, streaming online with us, we're glad you're joining us this evening. Tonight we get to look at chapter 10 in the book of Revelation, an interesting chapter in itself. And it's one of the, I think it might be the shortest chapter in the book. I think there's only like 11, I think it's like 11 verses in this chapter And but it has a lot to say. It's very important when we look at it. So I think before we get started in this one, we're going to have let's have some prayer. And I will just ask God to, to help us forget about the day, forget about everything going on and and to help our hearts and minds be open to what he has for us. Father God, we just bless you this night. We thank you for the amazing weather we've had. We thank you for all of the good things. We thank you for the wonderful celebration of Resurrection Day we had. It was just a blessing in both of the services. So we're just thanking you, God. We're full of just gratefulness tonight. We, we are also grateful that tonight we get to study uh, your book, your vision for the apocalypse that was given to uh, John the Apostle. Father, we just pray now that our hearts and our minds would forget about all the stuff from the week and up to this day. And at this moment, we want to hear from you, O oh God. May you speak through us and, and hear that we might hear your words this evening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we, like I said, we will be in the, in the 10th chapter. One of the things, though, I wanted to bring up is I got a great question from our brother Ken Kunkel. I love this question because I get to talk a little bit about that last week and this week. It says, Bill, I've been trying to understand Revelation using my six minutes of listening to God time. I am receiving a clear feeling about the seven churches and that God is on the throne and in control of all. Amen. I like that one. That's a good one. I enjoy what the new Jerusalem represents at the end. I have somewhat of a perspective on the description of what Babylon and the great harlot represent, but I get a sense of confusion about what is being taught through John by God with all the violence that happens during the middle chapters of Revelation. Can you help me understand the meaning of this? What a great question. In all of our lives, we all, many of us who've gone to church for a long time, We've heard, depending on the church you went to, but you've heard um, the love of Jesus and how He accepts us all, and He does. There is no doubt about that, and how grateful we are that He does. You've also heard about how Jesus cares. His, you know, everything is about the grace of Jesus, and, and everything that we hear in the New Testament. Paul talks a lot about more about the grace than he talks about the judgment. But remember. The book of Revelation is called the Revelation or the Apocalypse of Jesus Christ given to John the Apostle. So by the time that this book is written, God needs to send a message to all of us. And here's the answer to Ken's question about the the violence that's happening in these middle chapters. There comes a time when God's patience and mercy will stop. And I truly believe, and we're gonna when we get to the end of chapter 10, I've got some insights that I just, as I was studying today to finish up, I got today, I got some new, I thought, wow, this is a very cool message. But it's, it's as if people don't understand that the judgment of God does, is going to come. It, it does happen. It is there. Um, uh, there is this. There is a God, a living God. This is God's world. Um, it works God's way or it does not work, which is why we see if we violate God's will and way, then the, the earth turns back on us and God's will and way turns back on us. We have to understand that when Jesus came to that cross and bore the sins of all mankind, he did so for the simple fact that he wants all of us to join him in heaven when this is all over. At the end of the day, when we're getting to the white throne judgment and all else is done and the bowls are poured out and everything's finished, then guess what? The judgment is there. Everybody, and we're going to talk about what happens with Christians, non-Christians. We'll talk about everybody when we get there. Quit trying to rush the ending, people. And we'll get there. And once we do get there, we're going to understand a lot more. What do we know at this point? We know that all of these things that are happening through the seals and through the trumpets, for everyone who has that seal of God on their forehead, it's very, very, very evident that um, Romans 8, 1 is the most important verse of the Bible. I'm not going to say it. You get to look it up. But if you only want to catch the gist of what is happening in all of this, Romans 8, 1 is the best verse you can memorize. And when I was a very young Christian, a very astute youth minister, pastor guy, he's the one who told me, I want you to memorize the eighth chapter of Romans. So when I start to feel like that, I, I read that first verse, and it's the best. Now, so in that, in that can, to answer your question, here it is. So in all of this stuff, it never is a, God could make it so that it's a complete destruction of the earth, the people, everybody's gone, it's a done deal. It did not have to be a third of the mankind. It did not have to be the, the torture for five months. It did not have to be, things did not have to have a time limit in them for God. He didn't do that for his self. God did not give the time limit on these, some of this, this violence and stuff as you, as you describe it. He didn't put a time on limit on that for him or for the angels in heaven. Why did he do that? His judgment is true. And what he knows is he knows the heart of every individual who lives and dies. Every human being has to die. We have a cycle of life. Every one of us, there's a day we're born. And there's a day we die. I should write a song like that. Oh, wait. Simon and Garfunkel already did. So, but what we're saying is that we have a time where that, that it, it will be over. And in that time, just like in the time of all of this pestilence and these, these plagues and, and the, the war and the battle, all of this stuff is going on for one reason and one reason only. So that those that are left will realize that he is such a God of mercy In his power, yes, he could wipe out the whole everything. But he has chosen not to because he truly wants and desires for mankind to come back to him. He does it just so that we can come back to him in eternity and spend eternity with him in heaven. His desire is to have us home. You know, it's it's much like when, when my mom, my mom was so excited to see my wife and I and the children. Okay, let's be real, she was basically more excited to see my children than me, but it was a whole thing of she wanted us there during the holidays. And when it was family time, it was family time, and she would get so excited to see them. And it was amazing how her and my dad would just be so excited to see the grandkids, and they'd be giving them candy and all this stuff. And I kept saying, Dad, I don't understand why I don't get all that candy when I was little, because you we're an idiot, son. <laughs> Great. So, but we just, but we just expect for a God to be that one that's just, he's always loving, kind, giving us all this stuff. But in this book, what we're learning is the reason Jesus went to that cross. When I said that, that the, the, the world works God's way or it doesn't work at all, the only way for it to work completely for you is, is to have Jesus Christ in our life walking in the steps of Jesus, following his will, knowing that it doesn't matter. All we know is that when he comes back, I want to be with him. And it doesn't matter what what place or point or whatever that happens. When it's done and I'm back with Jesus, then I know that I'm secure. In the midst of all of that trial and judgment that's going on, those who live through it, are just like in chapter 4 and 5 when the elder said to John, he said, hey, who are these, these people in white robes coming out from underneath the altar? Remember that was in there. And remember what the, the, the angel said to him, the elder said to him, he said, those are the ones who have coming through the tribulation. Once you come through that tribulation, you accept that seal that's on your forehead for having Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Guess what? The white robe is yours, and all of that pestilence and and tribulation stops. We cannot assume for a half a minute that this is because God does not love us. When I was younger, my dad used to, I used to get spankings. I mean, not that I got a lot. Well, okay, I got a few. Probably because I deserved them. But when I did, it was because I did something, excuse me, but I did something to warrant, according to my dad was in the military. So I did something to warrant the discipline. In other words, I got the spanking. When we think about the fact that we get disciplined, It's because we have a God who loves us and cares and says, don't go near that cliff and slaps us down. He told Jonah, those people of Nineveh need to be saved. Go that way. I think I'll go this way. He said, no, go that way. And he said, I don't want to go that way. And he kept saying, go the other way. He even got on a boat. Well, then he wound up in the fish and still wound up over there where he was supposed to be. God wasn't torturing Jonah that whole time. But he was trying to get Jonah to understand, you're going to help me, you're going to help these people by listening to me and delivering my message, which eventually happened, and we all know that. I just wish Jonah would have finished writing all the rest of his encounters with the people of Nineveh after they all got saved. Because all we get at the end of the book of Jonah is what? He goes to sleep under a tree. See, I'm the one that needs to know the rest of the stuff. You know, when a show ends or a movie ends or a mystery ends that I'm watching and stuff, and then it all resolves at the end, everybody says, oh, that's nice, it resolved." And I said, yeah, but what happens next? You know, at the end of the Hallmark movies, the big deal, Dave is a big, he loves his Hallmark movies. And, and at the end, you know it's the end, what? When the two people who... Went, met each other, got confused, didn't like each other, then got back together and all their families got together and then all of a sudden at the end is what? The kiss. The kiss finishes the movie. Okay, did they get a house? Did they get married? Did they get, you know, did any of that other stuff happen? This is where we are in this. Because chapters 8 through 11 give us all of the woes and the pestilence and the bad stuff up to the final wrath of God, which is found in all of the pouring out of the bowls of wrath. That's coming after 13 and 14. So we're going to see all of that coming. But up to this point, for instance, in the, and, and I just made some observations. and Here, I'll give you this for free. I won't even charge you extra. The seals show us one thing. They show us the suffering church that's pleading for justice. That's what the seals show us, the seven seals. The trumpets, they show something different. They show how the wicked world is being offered mercy. By God, when those trumpets sound, God not destroying the world, God takes those trumpets to say, psst, psst, hey, 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 something's going to happen. Look now. How about now you want to come and be with Jesus now some people would say well doesn't that make him an evil God doesn't that make him a mean God that's not a God of mercy if he was not a God of mercy in the condition this world is in you know my family says to me all the time dad you're not God and we're kind of grateful Because there are times I look at them and say, the Lord have mercy. And they want to know what that means. And I said, that means that you get to still live. Because there were times when I wasn't sure they were going to live that long. And I have parents who tell me all the time, I think my children are going to not live till they're 15. That's because between the ages of 13 to 15, it's a whole lot of fun for parents. And not a parent is thinking, that one didn't consider that fun. Here's my point. In answer to this question, it's so that God can bring, remind all of us of the, the reason Jesus died on that cross. This sinful, f- sin-filled world would go straight to hell if it was given the chance. But God keeps giving us opportunities to fix that. God keeps saying, hey, Bill, I know that you got shot in the back alley of that place right across from Stevens Junior High School because you were stupid, drug addict kid who thought he was invincible and tried to get in a fight with too many guys and somebody shot you in the leg. But since you're in the hospital now realizing you're invincible, I think your grandmother is going to leave you a little book called Good News for Modern Man. And she's going to fold back a page and have you start reading at that page. And that page I opened up and it said something like the Gospel of John. And my friends, in one evening, I read the complete Gospel of John. And then what I wondered was, how come he did that? Why did he do that? I don't deserve. And then my grandmother proceeded to say to me, guess what you can do now? You can change. You can be different. Now, it still took another 18 months for me to get there. But that's why in this book, all of this judgment is here. Nobody, at at that point in my life, nobody came to me and said, Bill, if you don't get saved, you're going to go to hell. That's not what they did. It was God turning me around in the only way that I could understand. Now, he let me live through it. The person who pulled that trigger in that gun, do you really think they were trying to shoot me in the leg? They weren't. But that's where God directed it so that I, he, I, would, get, I would get his attention. At that point in time, all I understood was the fact that everything under the world is going to be not as perfect as Bill would make it. Somebody's trying to tell me something here, and i got to make sure it's not for me. Oh, okay, thank you. Anyway, so I think that what we're going to do is we're going to go on now into chapter 10. Ken, can, I, can, I hope that helps you to understand a little bit of what God is trying to do there. And I, and and in his in, in God's way, that was necessary for us to understand what it takes to get our attention. Some people it takes a lot more. Some of us are stubborn, and there are some people in this room that I think had to were. But I'm not going to say any. Uh, let's go read chapter ten before Bill gets in trouble. The angel and the little scroll. This is this is interesting. It's only eleven verses, but oh my goodness. there's a lot of packing in here. So Revelation chapter 10, we're going to start with verse 1. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. Verse 2, he had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders sounded, (laughs) I was about to write. But then I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said. Do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land Raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever. Who created heavens and what is in it and the earth and what is in it and the sea and what is in it. That there would be no more delay. But that in the days of the trumpet call, the last trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel, who is standing on the sea and the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll, and he said to me, Take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll in the hand of the angel and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. I am certainly glad there's only 11 verses in this chapter. This one is a doozy. They're all doozies, but this one is, is special to me, and, and there's a couple of reasons why. Verse 1, Then I saw the mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. Now, when we see those, those kinds of descriptions, we always wonder, is that going to be literal? Is somebody going to see that happen? Is somebody going to come down? There's your answer. So why not? We don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. What I'm trying to say is this: There's going to come a point when we will know when all of these events happening for those who have the seal of God on their head. They're going to know when the Spirit says, this is it, it's time. Are you going to hear it audibly? Are you going to hear the trumpet in the heavens? Are you going to hear the thunder like the clouds? Are you going to hear that? That's a great question. And I'm going to answer those questions in just about a second because I want to get to this other part. So this angel, we know uh, there are those who believe that this is Jesus except for the fact that we know from chapter 1, verse 1, 8, that Jesus is still sitting on the throne. And it is him who hands the angel this little scroll. The reason the scroll is opened is because all seven seals of the big scroll have all been opened and let loose. There are no more closed scrolls until now. And he says, and his feet, and he put one foot on the sea, and the other foot was on the land. If we want to know why, it means that whatever he commands and says is for all of the earth. Anytime that we see in the book of Revelation where God says one part is on the sea, one part is on the land, he's trying not to exclude anything. Because there are those who would say, oh, well, that was just meant for the land, or that was just meant for the sea creatures and stuff. When God says it's on both, it's on everything, there it is. God has spoken. It's for everything. There's a good friend of mine who used to say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. There you go. So we get to verse 2, right? Or verse 3. Yes, and called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. And when I was about to write, I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said. Do not write it down. We have a little message here. And this is one of Bill's things as well. This is on me. We don't get to know everything in God's mind. Because many people are saying, I want to know what those seven thunders said. Well, so do I. I want to know that too. But we don't get to know that. So when he says, these seven thunders sounded, can't write it down. You can't, don't write this down. And in fact, the language is so emphatic in the original language, this statement is like, don't even think about writing this down. Wow, I wonder what God said. Boy, don't you just want to just research and say, God, I have, somebody has to know what God said. Not when the one person who heard it has to seal it up and not write it down. Sorry, we don't get to know everything in God's mind. That's the point he's trying to make there. And and if you have your outline there on the front page there, it says, right under a voice from heaven saying, verse 4, seal up what the seventh thunder said. Do not write it down. You can write right under that phrase, we do not get to know everything. In other words, by faith. We have to trust that God knows everything. God is all-powerful, om- omniscient, omnipotent. He's, he's everything. And when we get to this point, we're saying, I want to know what the thunder said. And the st- angel, Even the angel standing on the land and sea said, yeah, we're not, mm, we're not even going to know. That's it. I'm not saying a word. Swore by him who lives for and ever, and ever who created the heaven, the sea, and all that is in it. There would be no more delay in verse 6. Well, I'm with Ken. If there's no more delay, that means there's more of this coming at us. Wow. That means a lot more people. Remember at the end of the last chapter, it said, and all other people did not repent of their sins and did not repent, did, you know their murders and sorceries and all the stuff that they did not repent of. God is saying they didn't repent. So here, let's do this one. Let the voice of thunder sound, and here it is. And then when it says in verse 7, there's some heavy stuff in here. In verse 7, when he says... um, yeah. but in the days of the trumpet called to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his, prof- his servants the prophets if you go back to read the prophets Amos, Obadiah, Joel Ezekiel, Isaiah all of them, Zephaniah you can just go through, there's a, there's a whole lot of them at the end of the Old Testament and there and the whole, there's a there's a stipulation of major and minor prophets that's in the Bible. It's not because their words were any less important. It's because the people who were dividing up the canon, the Bible, to put it together, wanted to know how to do this the best way. So they put the shorter messages from the prophets behind the larger ones like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and then said that they are the major prophets because their messages were so big. And the minor prophets of the Obadiah and Amos and Joel and all of them, they were, you know, one or two chapters long, so they're going to be considered the minor prophets. But if you read those books, (laughs) there's nothing minor about anything they said. In the last days, said the prophet Joel. Young men, does anybody know it? Young men will fight with the old men, and women will fight with, and then he's trying to say, get ready, because there's a day coming when people are not going to like each other, and they're going to fight, and families will fight against families. (laughs) I love you, Darlene. And here's the thing about it. There are people that says, with all of the stuff that went on the last two years that divided the families, Joel was even trying to tell those in the 21st century, hey, guess what's coming? We can never assume that we know the mind of God. He even says it. He even said it in the last chapter. Um, what, let's go back to one in chapter nine. I want I want you to read a verse with me. Um, it, 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 because he's got the, the angel sitting there on the backside, right? And he's he's in uh, chapter nine. Uh, the people who seek the appearance of locusts. There's a place where, the, in chapter 9, the angels are sitting at the four corners of the earth and they are waiting there. Um, they are waiting there. Oh, that's right. It was in thir- 13 and 14. Here we go. Uh, then the sixth angel blew the trumpet and saying to the sixth angel, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river, Rephides, 15. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, a year were released to kill. You know what's so important about that verse right there? Verse 15. Even the angels don't get to know the day. That's what that verse is telling us. That verse in, in chapter 9 15 is telling us look, even the angels are waiting for God to say, Go. They don't get to know it either. So when Jesus says to, them, to those people asking them the question, when is this going to happen? Lord, his disciples say, when is this going to happen? And he says, no man knows the hour of the day. In other words, quit worrying about it. Just do what you're supposed to do while you're here on earth, and then you're going to find out because it'll come like a thief in the night, and boom, it's a done deal. And when we get to chapter 16 and 17, we get to see how quick that done deal is going to be. But I'm hoping and praying that you, that you get it, that we don't get to know this. And, and by the fact that the angels were waiting in chapter 9, and now John is told when he hears the thunders of God, does John understand it? Yes, he knew exactly what the thunders of God were saying, and he was ready to put it down in this book for us. And God said, don't even think about writing that down. You don't get to know everything, but by faith, we can trust in everything. My point is that we don't have to know everything, but we can trust in everything. Amen? Amen. All right, I like that. Okay, so now let's get into to the next part of this. Um, let me see, where am I? Now I lost myself. I hate when that happens. Um, Seal up into the don't write and swore by him who's on the earth things. Oh, yeah. Then... Um, Let's go to verse 8. Then the voice I heard in chapter 10. The voice that I had heard from the heavens spoke to me again saying, go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. If you're ever wondering if we're going to get to have interaction in heaven This is like the third time that John's had to go do something in heaven. Call it Bill again. Go ahead, whatever you want to think. But there is a whole lot of evidence. And I even looked this up in the original language, translated and parsed it out. It still comes out that he says, And I walked over and took the scroll out of the hand of the angel. We get to talk and be with angels. See, I always thought I was an angel, but there was people who did doubt it. I don't know why. I don't know why I said that. That just came into my head and out. Of, I didn't get, you know, Ken, sometimes you can't stop the stuff coming out. The filter didn't kick in, brother. I don't know what to tell you. So, but, we, but when he came out, he went over there to take the scroll out of the hand. And here's the part that would make me a little nervous. Here's the statement that, and so I went in verse 9. I went to the angel, told him to give me the little scroll. This is a heavenly being who came out of heaven. He has a little bit more power than the human being that's talking to him. So I went to the angel and I said, give me the scroll. (laughs) I have to say, praise God, angels don't know anger. You know what I'm saying? I mean, think about it. Excuse me. I just brought a lightning bolt with me. John, here, hold this. Okay, oh, we need a new prophet. John's gone. Sorry. See, that's where my brain goes sometimes. It's, yeah, yeah, right. And I didn't even take any pain medicine yet. Anyway, here we go. And he said to me, take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter and your mouth will be sweet as honey. Now, wouldn't you, if you were going to describe this, wouldn't you have said, hey, John, this is going to taste really good. Now, your stomach may get a little bit, but no, he started with, okay, this is going to make your stomach better, bitter. Do you know what it said in the original language? This is going to make you extremely sick in your stomach. Remember when you were a kid, mom and dad said, quit eating so much candy and sweets. Why? You're going to get stomachache. You're going to get sick. I can remember one time my middle daughter, we let her. I'm not going to say her name because she said I can't say her name, and I didn't. I told her, I said, if you eat that, you keep eating like that, you're going to get sick. You're going to get sick. Oh, no, Dad, I'm fine. Just half an hour later, here we go, right to the bathroom. Now, <laughs> we tried to tell him. So now here's what gets me. He says, this is going to make, take, take this and eat it, but it's going to make, it'll be sweet as honey, but it's going to make you sick to your stomach would make me hesitate a bit. And then the next verse says, and I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. We don't get to know everything about God, but we can trust with our faith, we can have faith in God that everything will work out for his good. Amen. Because John was told, you're going to get sick when you put this in. John didn't hesitate because the angel said, Go ahead, eat it. It needs to be eaten. You're going to get sick to your stomach, but eat it anyways. And when he did, he found out real quick hey, you know what? Angels don't lie. Because he says, As soon as I ate it, it was sweet as honey, but when I'd eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. I can't say what it really, it says that he, um, when I ate it, my stomach reversed. There is that. There we go. I can say it that way on air. If we were in the house, I would just say he puked, but I can't say that on the string. So then verse 11, and I was told, and this is what gets me, you must again Prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. And I'm going to take this last 20 minutes to share something with you. When we get... uh, Somebody very special just walked in the door. I am so glad to see you two more than you know. So here's what we have to understand. Whenever God takes us through an event like this, and he is talking to us, and he's telling us all of the things that are going to happen to us, he's going to tell us all of the things that as we sit in and we look and we we see this, God is going to, to tell us, okay, I need you to go and share this, okay? Hey, Mark, after you marry this wonderful lady, there's something you're going to do but I'm not going to tell you until after it's all done and, you know, y'all get back and relax. And you don't have to worry because, see, at that point in time, you have two choices, don't you, at that point? You either say, yeah, we're not going back there. We're going to go on the honeymoon, and then we're going to, you know, Canada or someplace else. Because if I go back there, something tells me, God's going to tell me something I'm supposed to do. Sorry, brother, I had to pick on you just for a minute. But the most important and most interesting part about this is he's telling John, John just got sick from eating the scroll, that he had to write down, then tear up and throw it because he said, what? Don't write that down and stuff. And in fact, you can not only not write that down, but you have to take the scroll that caused what happened and was heard and said and get rid of it. And the only way to do that is for you to eat it and digest it and be done with it. And turn it into something that nobody else wants to touch or read which is what happened. So as we, as we see God working in the life of this disciple, and this is according to the book of John, he is one of the most beloved disciples. Maybe that's why he was chosen for this task. But when he's chosen for this task, he also gets the responsibility. Many of us are chosen for tasks that we enjoy the task part, but we don't necessarily like the responsibility part. And when we start to finish up this book and we get to the end, of it, there's a little phrase that's in there for people that teach it that kind of makes me a little nervous. Okay, we'll talk about that later. But when he's telling John, even at the end of John getting sick, taking that stuff and doing all of these things, he says, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. When you looked that up in the original, let me just, write, I wrote it down. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. Yeah. He says, you must continue to prophesy and warn all the peoples and nations and languages about what is coming. So let me ask you this, and let me ask you online this. In Isaiah 6, right? Verses 8 and 9. Isaiah is taken into heaven. Remember the scene. And he's as he's up there, all of a sudden he sees all of the glories of God and he feels so amazed that he is up there with God. And Isaiah says, I am a man of unclean lips. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. And the angels say, hey, no one's there to go for us. Who's going to go for us to tell the people? Who's going to go? Who remembers what Isaiah said? What did he say? Here am I. Send me. Now, Isaiah already felt his, his lips got burned by the fire of the his his mouth already was burned just from uttering the words of God. And he got so tired. And and John was the same way right now. By this point in time, John's halfway through this apocalypse, and he's going, "I am weary. I just got sick to my stomach, and, and did not have a good time." And then the angel comes back and says, "Hey, bud, remember though, as sick even though you got sick a little bit, we got to keep going." You're not done yet. Have you ever, have many of you in the last couple years said, why are we still here? How come God's not finishing this? You can raise your hands. I know that a bunch of you are out there. Because here's the thing. So if God did not take you away when it started to get hairy, what does that mean? Go ahead, Darlene, preach. I love it. Darlene said he's still going to use us, and that's exactly right. So then you have two more choices. Again, you have two choices. You can run away, try to run to Canada like Mark, or you can say, here am I, send me. Now, I love when people say to me, hey, Bill, where do we go? Thank you very much. Since you asked, <laughs> here's where you go. <laughs> Put down this verse, Matthew 28, 19. Anybody know what it says? Go into all the world. Where does he want you to start? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all, right? But why does he say Jerusalem first? Where you live. Oh, you're a genius. How did you marry him? You're a genius. Because here's the thing. In Jerusalem, it's your family, your friends, your neighbors, the people closest to you. If you want to know where to start and how to get it going, that's the place. You've got to start there. When he tells them, hey, I know you're weary and tired. but, But you still got to keep going. You're still here. There are those who don't know. Ken asked a great question. If you want to know why I'm on this tangent, because as soon as I read this question on Monday, I knew what I had to tell you on Wednesday night. The reason for the destruction, the pestilence, and everything going on, and Christians are just amazed at how evil it's getting. The reason that it's there is because we're all standing up and saying, what do we do? Why is this happening? Wait, This is too much. I don't like being here. And God says, sorry, guess what? You must prophesy. If you want to know what you're supposed to do, go ahead and read that last verse in chapter 10. Because that's what he's telling us. We still have a message to give. Are we all going to give the same message? Not at all. Are we all going to say it to the same person? That would scare the person pretty bad, I think. (laughs) You know, 200 people just jumped all over me and shoving stuff down my throat and my stomach is getting bitter, even though it tasted like honey. But each one of us have people in our lives. And I was just, I haven't heard from anybody yet, but as I asked you a couple, I think it was last week, I said, hey, whoever you're thinking of when we're talking about this, that needs to know That guess what? God is still good. He's still faithful. Jesus is the way. Yes, he says, and he he says to us in in this book, he says to us, look, (laughs) there is a God, a living God. This is God's world. It works God's way or it does not work. If we violate God's will and way, it's going to turn on us. But, and that's a great big but, There is a way out of this and through it. Can anybody say his name? Amen. Jesus is the one. If we want to know how, that it's Jesus. Jesus has made a way. He is the lamb. He is the one slain. When they kept saying in the first chapter of Revelation, they said, who is going to go for us? Who can open these scrolls? Excuse me. He said, who can open these scrolls? And John began to weep. And what did the elders say? Whoa, relax. Jesus has got this. He's the lamb that was slain. He came through it. He's going to, and he's the guy that's going to take everybody else through it that wants to go with him. Now, if you don't want to go, there's other consequences, which we will be reading about here shortly in the next few chapters, trust me. But when you're ready to go, he's ready to take you. Not once, not once have I ever heard anybody say, you know, I prayed the sinner's prayer and God said to me, no. And I said, (laughs) and somebody asked me that, has God ever said no? And I said, I tell you what, when God tells somebody no and I hear about it, I'll let you know. That was 1973 or four. I know I was only three at the time, but that's beside the point so we, we have to understand, and Leanne was a lot older than me, so that's why. But anyways, I was, it was a whole different story when you get people who pray that sinner's prayer, and then all of a sudden they realize, all I had to do was say yes to Jesus? Yeah. Now what do I do? You start reading this. You start looking up, not this particular one, the Bible that you have. If you don't have a Bible, you just need to let me know and I'll get you one. But don't sit and not tell somebody. This last few minutes, I want to describe something. It's called the God moments. If we want to know why all of this stuff, we take it and eat it, we throw it away, we don't get to know everything. All of a sudden, we can can have faith in what God says and trust him. So what do we do with it? You must prophesy about many. You must go tell as many people as you can. Does that mean that you walk out your door and start swinging your Bible and knocking people in the head with it? Please don't do that. That is not the way to win souls. A friend of mine called it once lifestyle evangelism. When people see that mark on your forehead that represents Jesus Christ, they will say to you, something's weird about you. You're not all panicked about what's going on in this world. How come? Because my faith is not in this world and politicians or anything else. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Does, is everybody who says that immediately ready to just give up all their fears and anxieties and everything else? That's not possible. But when you're taking baby steps to learn what it means to walk with Jesus, to get this book involved in your, engraved in your heart. You take baby steps. For some people, it was simply merely just walking around their own house without a mask on. With some people, it was the fact that when they got in their car and they were by themselves, they took the mask off. But then they got out, they put it back on. The masks were a big deal for many people. For them to declare this week that on airplanes you did not have to wear a mask, people didn't want to sit next to people both ways. One, the people who did not want to wear a mask did not want to sit next to the people who were wearing masks. And the people who were wearing masks did not want to sit next to the people who were not wearing masks. It caused a whole nother set of problems. And all I'm trying to say is rest in the Lord. Let God direct you on how fast you're going to let go of those things that for the last two years have been ingrained in our head. Yeah, I I didn't understand why I never got COVID, but it was because I I suffered a very bad case of another thing called rhinovirus before COVID started. And it was that that God put in me that, trust me, those two weeks in the hospital were tough. But after getting that, it was when the doctor said to me, we don't know. You've been exposed more times to COVID than anybody. Why aren't you getting it? They ran a blood test on me and found out that my blood was killing the COVID blood. And, of course, then my college roommates were all saying, Bill, let's take you up to a cabin in Colorado and drain your blood and put it in little vials and sell it to people. Yeah, no, I didn't go to Colorado, people. No, I don't trust those knuckleheads. Anyways, so but, but the point just is is that we can have so many anxieties and we can have fears and depressions and things in our lives that are there. And as we get to know more and more about Jesus, the book of Revelation, his Bible, the book of Mark, we start to read all of these things who Jesus was and what he did. Little at a time, piece by piece. Begins to chip at that shield around our heart of fear. And when that fear is gone, a cool water that washes over you in the time of the desert is amazing. And that's what you will feel. But it may not happen all at once. But then let's talk about what you can do after that is done. You can go tell people. You start where? At home with your family. Say, it's okay, kids, tonight we're not going to have masks while we're at the dinner table. We're going to take them off. It's okay, kids, tonight we're going to read the Bible together and pray without the masks on. See, you can start with those kind of things. Now, for those of us that, that just aren't, we don't have them anymore. Who is in your life that needs to know that there is a God who loves who cares so much that his his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The fear of the Lord is never going to be a fear that you are so afraid that you cannot exist. The fear of the Lord just simply means that I respect and trust my God so much that I do not have fear to speak about him wherever he is. See, since Jesus is the lamb slain for sin, the only way back to him is to run. Run towards him. Run on track. Read this thing every day. Read what you can. Okay, if you don't know where to start, how about this? There are 31 Proverbs, right? Some months, there's 31 days. So what do you do? You read a chapter of Proverbs every day and go 1 through 31. If there's only 30 days, then you stop at 30, folks. You don't have to, you know, it's not rocket science. You can go and do this. Something that simple. People like to read the Psalms. Read four Psalms a day and watch what happens at the end of the year. Kind of interesting, isn't it? When we start to learn how to walk through this book and walk through God's will, fear leaves. Depression stops. Anxiety begins to disappear. Now I have to ask you if you can do one more thing. Let go and not put a string on it when you give it to God. You see, so when, you, when, you, when you're going to give something, God, I want to give you this anxiety. But you take it, God, go ahead And King Kong will tell you that's like trying to fight a marlin on a thick two-inch rope. You're not going to win. But how we do win is to say, Lord, I have no way of knowing how I can do this. So I have to get on my knees, and I have to release it completely and let it go. And it may be something simple as, tonight I'm going to go to sleep with no mask over my face. Because, yes, I still have friends that do that. And they say, how do I do that? I said, I tell you what, do. Just use a mask for sleeping and cut a little slit in it. And you like how much easier it is to breathe when you sleep. You'll probably fall asleep faster. And they said, yeah. But I always tape it to my face because if I turn over, it moves. And I said, okay, so one night don't put tape on it. For those of us that don't wear them and don't need them and don't use them, here's what we say. I got this thought in my head to call so-and-so, and and I don't know why. I haven't talked to so-and-so in three weeks. I haven't talked to him in two years. That, my friends, is what we call a God moment. When God brings somebody to your mind, please call them. When you think there's something you need to do, make some cookies for somebody. Just to say, hey, you know what? So-and-so used to like when I made him brownies. Okay. So I'll make Pastor Bill brownies. I mean, I'll make my friend brownies. So I had slipped hat. I can I just, you know. Those God moments, you're walking your dog or you're walking outside in the neighborhood and all of a sudden somebody walks up and says, hey, don't I know you from so-and-so? Man, can you believe the craziness in this world? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so afraid of it. Why aren't you afraid of it? Why aren't you afraid? Not really well, why aren't you afraid of it? And I said, well, I will tell you if you really want to hear me. And I always ask permission to tell them. When they do those kind of things, I always ask permission to say, do you really want to know why why I'm like this? Yeah, because I'll tell you, but I'm not judging or anything, but I'll just tell you why I'm like this because this is just for me, just because who I am. But once I turned my stuff over to Jesus, he took it away. And I don't have to take it back. I can leave it there. And being able to not worry about that stuff because I know he's got it, I can now go do fun stuff. You know, things like go into the, the Library of Antiquities and read some of those encyclopedias. Who wants to join me? Yeah, I never get any volunteers. Anyways, but we always know and understand that when we turn our stuff over to God, he can give us the right roads to pass. When you get a God moment of somebody that needs to hear from you, call them. When you get a God moment of of all of a sudden you're in a rush, you're in a supermarket and stuff, and so-and-so comes up to me, and they've got a Kleenex, and you can tell they've been crying, what do you need to do? (laughs) That would be Darlene's answer for everything. Give them a hug. That's right. (laughs) The other side of that coin is, do I say, I really have a lot to do right now? I don't have time for that. Oh, how you doing? Oh, good to see you too. And turn around and keep walking and this person's falling apart next to me. But that was a God moment that God needed you to talk to them. And you want to say, why me? Because dear friends, here's what my grandfather taught me many years ago. I may be the only Bible these people will ever read. In other words, I will be talking with them in ways that nobody else can the language that I will share with them will be because they will under, know that I understand their hurt. I don't know exactly what it feels like, but I understand that they're hurting, and I'm not going to let them go through it by themselves. When he told John, John, you have to prophesy about many peoples, materials, languages, and kings. John, you have to remember, as sick as you got right now, you still have to keep going. Dear family, there's somebody that needs to hear your message of the love of God, that you're the only one they're going to understand. You may be the only one they trust to give it to them. You may be the only one who has that person in mind and everybody else is leaving alone because they don't want to talk to him. There's lots of whys God is using you. We can all think of the why God, no, God, I think you should send my brother Aaron. He talks better than I do. The guy that tried that, yeah, it didn't work for him either. So I don't think it's going to work for you. Moses tried to get out of it, and God said, yeah, no, you're still going to go talk to Pharaoh. So when he looks down at you and says, no, so-and-so can't do it because they don't have your life story. And this person needs to know through your life story how much better it can be if they will just let Jesus do what he came to do. In the last statement. What did I say? That's a good... I got sidetracked. You guys sidetracked me. Yeah, thank you. So, the seals show us the suffering church pleading for justice. The trumpets show us the mercy, the wicked world being offered mercy. And there's more to come. The offer is not accepted, but the world will never be able to say... And the world does not repent, but they will never, ever be able to say that God did not do everything he could, and that includes destroying his own creation, the earth, to bring all of mankind into his loving presence. That's where we end up today. God did everything, is doing everything he can to tell mankind, here's how bad it can get and worse, but I want you to know there's a way out. those who have the seal of God on their forehead so I want to say thank you to all of you being here tonight and I would love to hear about people that you talk to or those God moments that God puts in your life where he says hey so-and-so needs to hear from you or guess what I was backing my car out and somebody pulled up behind me and I pulled back into the place. I was going to turn around and yell at them and it was so-and-so that was in so much tears. They didn't see me. And now they're crying and asking me to forgive them for pulling behind them. And that's not what you got out of the car to say to them. But that's a God moment. So if you're online with us tonight, I hope that you go to Pastor at LighthouseCommunity.com. You can share your anxieties and and, and the things that are going on in your life with us. You can share your questions about what's going on in the scriptures. You can share prayer requests. Let us know if there's something we can pray for you about. Because we will. Our staff does it. Our elders do it every Wednesday. Wednesday. Our staff does it. We, we will pray for you. But I do want to say thank you for sticking with us and being here tonight. If you're watching this later on in the week, that's okay, too. We're glad you're here. Same thing goes for all of you. So for those of you on the stream, I'm going to say good night. God bless, and I'm glad you were here.